We are using this book, actually we're kind of finishing it up. This is our last week of using the book uh, Lessons in Truth that we're borrowing from the Unity Church. And uh, it's, it's kind of like uh, Unity's foundational material. So compare this to our big, thick Science of Mind textbook and you'll see one of the reasons why I love this book so much. <laughs> um, so, so this week, the topic is um, God's gifts. It's the um, last chapter of the book. And before we go there, though, I want to share with you maybe a, a gift on a more human note. So I offer you up our joke for today. John was well known for both an eye for a bargain and his tendency to develop schemes. One day, he was looking for a wedding present, a gift for his niece, so he went into the crystal department at Macy's. He was walking around, and he noticed what was previously a very expensive crystal vase lying in the corner, broken in three pieces, though. After some fussing with the sales assistant, who didn't want to sell it to him at all, John bought the broken vase for $1. He then went to the gift department on the seventh floor, filled out the congratulations card, wrote out his niece's name and address, and gave the wrapper $20 more so that the broken vase could be gift-wrapped beautifully and posted. John then left the shop feeling quite pleased with himself. His niece would think the fine and expensive vase had been broken in the mail. I know. Could such people exist? I don't. Surely not. Surely not. After the wedding, he rang his niece to see if the present had arrived. Why, yes, Uncle John. But unfortunately, it was in three pieces when it was delivered. What terrible luck, said John. The parcel post people are getting worse all the time. It is a shame, she replied, and it was so beautifully wrapped, each piece separately. <laughs> all right, so, so those are the gifts on the human side, right? Th that's what maybe a gift is on the human side. And I think a human part of us wants to picture a gift as something that's valuable in terms of money, in, in terms of some kind of material nature, right? When we think of a gift, it's usually, if not a thing like a vase, it might be a gift card. You know, if not a physical object, then we want to get someone an experience of someone or, or maybe some flower or something that would be beautiful. And so that was where my mind initially went when I started reading this chapter on God's gifts. And I was thinking, all right, so now this is going to be the spiritual take on that. So surely God's gifts will be things like beauty, like love, like, like a gorgeous song, right? Harmony. Oh, was I surprised. <laughs> Let me read to you God's gifts as presented in, in the, nearly the last chapter here. Here's what Emily Cady has to say about God's gifts. The gift of healing is no more and no greater than the gift of prophecy, the gift of prophecy is no greater than faith. The workings of miracles are no greater than the power to discern the thoughts and intents of other people's hearts. And the greatest of these is love. It melts down all forms of sin, sorrow, sickness, and trouble. And all of these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. All right, well, I got to ask you, is that what you would have thought God's gifts would be? Healing, prophecy, faith, discerning the thoughts and intents of others? It's interesting, isn't it? 
Because I think most of us probably had a different idea. In fact, let me just ask outright, how many of us here think we have God's gift of healing? All right. All right. Now, wait a minute. All you practitioners at least raise your hands. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, this one, I, I think this one we can get our hands around, right? Many of us are in the healing profession, and I consider myself to be one of those, but we have nurses, we have doctors here. You know, no, even if you want to think of it in, in a lighter way, certainly someone who fits you with glasses is in the healing profession, right? In any way that we can help other people, I would suggest we're in the healing profession. But, you know, I want to take this one step further, because I think that anyone who has been in a Science of Mind church long enough to have done a prayer and have it been effective is a healer, right? Because what we teach is through the power of our own mind, through the power of cultivating our thoughts, through the power of our own ability to co-create with God as we outpicture the world, so then God will heal our conditions, right? Now, it's not always a physical healing of the body. It might be a healing of our finances. It might be a healing of something else that's lacking in our lives. It might be a healing of us feeling lonely or, or whatever it might be. But nonetheless, I think that all of us are healers. And so let's, let's all raise our hands. We are all healers, all right? All right, on to the next one. Now, who here considers themselves to have the gift of prophecy? All right, maybe, maybe fewer people, and it could be that the Oracle of Delphi is even right in this room. But, you know, I wonder if we look at something like that too narrowly. I bet if I asked the question a little differently that more people would raise their hands. I bet if I said, how many people here have a fairly attuned sense of intuition? How many people here maybe have experienced deja vu or a sense of being somewhere before and knowing how things are laid out? How many people here go with their gut feelings and their hunches even when all the evidence on the outside, right, looks like you should do one thing, but yet you just know what the correct answer is? And it isn't where other people are leading you. It isn't what the, you know, right? All right, I want to suggest that if we're a little bolder, nearly all of us would even raise our hand to say that at least to a degree, we have the gifts of prophecy. Okay. The other thing I wanted to throw out is just the idea of studying a thing, of getting good at a thing, right? Now, uh, religious science, well, well, or the unity movement for that matter, all of the new thought teachings have been around for over 100 years now. So think about this. For 100 years, we have been practicing fairly vigorously, I think, the ability of channeling, of focusing on clarifying our own thoughts, training our minds, so that we can affect this idea of a healing of our conditions. All right? So we've got a lot of study behind this. And as anyone who's taken a, a foundation class, or even just anyone who's hung out here for a while, you know that in, in, in um, this movement we have this um, fairly well-codified five-step affirmative prayer. And we've done that for a reason, because we know it's effective and we teach it. So I've got to ask you, how many here have gone to then a prophecy class? Okay. All right. All right. A couple. All right. What I want to suggest is if we had spent the last hundred years 
working out how to develop that muscle, right? We've spent about 100 years working on affirmative prayer. We've spent about 100 years really working on our ability to focus our thoughts, to choose our thoughts, to outpour them in a very specific way so that our prayers are effective. What if we had spent a similar amount of time perfecting prophecy? Really getting in touch with that inner knowingness, right? We say that we're part of the one mind in God and that we have access to it, but how many classes do we teach in that? It's interesting, isn't it? I wonder if these gifts that Emily Cady are talking about, maybe all of us have them to a fairly good degree, and we simply haven't used we simply haven't used that muscle. We simply haven't been trained. We simply haven't developed the classes. Um, Sharon Lee Foley, our, um, the reverend in charge of our education department, was here for the first service. And I looked down at her and she went, oh no, I'm not teaching the prophecy class. <laughs> but I do think there's probably no reason that such a class couldn't exist other than we haven't gone there yet. We haven't explored some of God's other gifts. All right, now, you know me. I'm all about love, and so I do want to explore that third gift that Emily Cady mentioned, the gift of love. Now, this is an interesting one because this sounds more like back to my idea of qualities of God, right? But again, I don't think she means it that way. I think she absolutely means that love is a force, you know, not just a a good feeling kind of thing, but actually a power in the universe. And, and it's interesting, I want to uh, <clears throat> talk about this even in terms of medical healing. All right, very important study completed about eight years ago. It followed up something like, two I think it's either 22 or 2,500 patients who were gravely ill and left the hospital. So, so they, they monitored their, their process Probably, um, you know, whatever, you, you know, some got better, some didn't get better, some returned to the hospital, some were completely healed. I want to ask you, do you know what everyone pretty much had in common that had a complete recovery? So how many people think it was maybe that they attended physical therapy afterwards? All right, that's like I'm kind of leading you along, I know. <laughs> But how about follow-up visits with the doctor, the idea of really following up on whatever that condition was and making sure that you're doing the full course of treatment? All right, that wasn't it either, though. Now, here's the big one. What about lifestyle changes? Because there were people that as a result of their heart attack, you know, it's like, all right, it really is time for exercise and diet, right? I know a lot of us sometimes have an epiphany when something physically goes wrong. It's like a wake-up call. You know, I'm going to stop the smoking or whatever. So how many people think it was lifestyle changes? Do you know what most people had in common that were completely healed? It's not prayer either. Although there was another study around prayer that also showed that it had healthful benefits, the thing that most people had in common was a loving network. It was love in their life. It was having someone to love, someone who loved them. They had a family they were going home to or a partner they were going home to. There were partners and loved ones and friends that came and visited them in the hospital. It was nothing more and nothing less than love itself. 
Now, I would like to be able to stand up here and actually explain how love works. You know, often on Sunday, I'm very good, well, I think I'm very good, at explaining, <laughs> at explaining how the law of cause and effect works or some of the other spiritual principles, right? It's like I can explain that what goes around comes around, and if you're a rotten person, you can expect all kinds of rottenness to come your way. If you put love out there, I can explain how, then you can expect a fulsome amount of love coming back in your life. But you know, to actually define love, I can't do it. I have no idea how it works. But I know it works. And I want to suggest that part of these gifts that Emily Katie is talking about are simply in the realm of the mysterious, simply in the realm of something that cannot be figured out. I'm going to go see our, our youth director, Lexi, is in a play this afternoon called I Hate Hamlet. And, uh, and I remember the last time I saw Hamlet, not I Hate Hamlet, but the last time I saw Hamlet, there's that lovely speech in there where Hamlet says, you know, not everything in your philosophy can be explained, right? That's not the exact quote. But the idea being that there isn't everything that we can figure out. And I want to use a, a little bit of a prop here, perhaps to illustrate how this works. All right. Now, I think all of us would agree, just from um, talking on Sunday, that we believe that God is unlimited and everywhere present. So if you would, you all get to play God today. And I'm going to be the human being looking through the human being's ability to see God. So right off the bat, you can tell that if I, if I focus in on someone, let's say I focus in on Cheryl, right? It's pretty hard. It's like this whole half of the room is masked by my humanness. You know, a big section of what is out there in terms of God, in terms of everything, in terms of infinity, is simply blocked to me because my view is, is pretty limited, and, of course, I can move it around a little bit, like I can take a look at Linda, but, you know, still, then, then another whole part of the universe is a little bit obscured for me, right? Well, this is how I think that God actually works, if you will. And I think we spend a fair amount of time trying to change our point of view, hoping that we can see all of God, hoping that all of our questions can be answered, hoping that we can really figure out how love works or how prophecy works or you know, how some of these gifts that are given to us can be made apparent in the human scale. And I'm here to tell you that I just, I don't think it's possible it's like I look at the beauty and majesty of Sandra sitting there in the audience, and, uh, and it's not possible for me to take in the rest of God at the same time. It's just one of those human limitations. I do want to tell you one other thing, though. What if we get closer to God? I tell you, my view is a lot better when I'm closer to God. And my belief is the more able that we are to be in unity with that power and that presence, the more is revealed to us. And the more that is revealed to us, likewise, the easier it is for us to bask in that unity, to really understand that God and I are one, that my mind is part of the one mind. 
And oftentimes, I think we lose sight of it again, right? Back to the idea of gifts that are given, you know? We think that we have figured out how cause and effect works, and we get really good at doing our prayers, and then we start seeing the evidence of our prayers. And then we're pretty excited because, you know, there's been a healing or something wonderful, right? And then what happens? Our, our, our significant other and, and we, like, have a fight over the dinner table. And what immediately happens? Joink. <laughs> right? Right? Then suddenly it's like anything unlike God has simply entered into my world. It's like, what happened? And I think for a lot of us in different areas of our life, We're going through like this where we have a fairly good glimpse of maybe what love is like, but but then finances just seem to, you know, finances are in the blind spot. Or maybe we have a great handle on, uh, on our working environment and we really love our job and we really feel in the zone. It's always a pleasure to watch musicians that can so often just be in the zone when they're doing their music. But for all I know, their relationship could be a mess. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> good move, good move. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I'm picking on you, I apologize. But what I do know is that the closer we get to unity, the closer we are to actually feeling that indwelling presence of God itself, it makes the way smooth. And I think that is what Emily Cady here is talking about in terms of the power in love. You know, we've heard love as that power that disperses anything unlike itself. We've heard love described as that which makes the crooked way smooth. We've heard love described as the most important force in the universe. And do we need to know how it works? I think the closer we get to it, the more we'll have a sense of it, the more we'll feel it, and to heck, if you will, with how it works. Let's just experience the love. Let's just experience some of God's gifts. And if I can get Sharon to work on a, a workshop around um, what are some of these prophecy, around discerning the thoughts and intents of others, and even around love, if we can develop workshops on those, great, because I think that they are and can be some of God's gifts. But if we try to figure them out, if we try to muscle them down the way that we figure out how an engine works or, or something like that, I think we're going to miss the point here. All right, so how does the book close? What's the big climax of the book? So we're led through God's gifts. And there's one more final metaphor that this book ends with that I want to share with you. And it is the idea of seeing with a single eye. Emily Cady says that so often we go through, uh, go through life seeing the polar opposites of things. It's as, it's as though we're, we're here to figure out and to separate out the good from the bad, the, the um, you know, God from the devil, um, the hurtful from the beneficial, the black from the white. And she says the more that we do that, even in cases where it would appear to make sense, right? Like right now, we're involved in a war in Iraq, and it would be oh so very easy for us, I think, to conclude that is not God. That is something to be avoided. That is not God. If there is evil, if there is a devil, surely it's appearing right now in the Middle East as this war. And what Emily Cady would say is, if you believe that one thing is separate from God, even something like a war 
What is to keep you from being separate from God? If God isn't all there is, then God isn't all there is. And there is other stuff outside of God. And therefore, you cannot command the power and presence of God to be on your side, to be working as you and working through you. And so it is very important that if we are going to experience this unity, we can't say unity with God, well, except for that, right? We can't say, well, unity of God, except for my ex-husband. You know, unity of God, except for that test I took in school where the professor was just a you-know-what and stacked the deck, right? We have to be able to look with that one-pointed view that God is all there is. That God is the hurricane also. That God is the war also. Now this doesn't mean that these things should be to our liking. It does not mean that we should not work to promote peace, to promote love, to promote people caring for one another. Quite the reverse. But if we deny that it too is part of God, then we're leaving open that possibility then that we too are not part of God. And when we're doing that, We've done the very thing that we don't want to do. We're like holding this just as far out as we can get. As soon as as we pick up on that idea of duality, as soon as we say that there is God in my vision right here, but, you know, not so much, not so much on the edges, then we're in trouble, I think. Then it becomes very difficult for us to accept God's gifts. So, let me read the, the final part here of this book. I do assure you, as do all teachers, that you can bring good things of whatever kind you desire into your life by holding on to them as yours in the invisible until they become manifest. But, beloved, do you not see that your highest, your first, your continual thought should simply to be seeking the abiding in God. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. It is this thing called life. It is this power of love. It is the joy and the peace and the happiness and the sweetness of all that we can see. And I also know that God is that mysterious side as well. That God is that which is unseen, that which is behind all. It is the goodness that cannot be described as well as the goodness that we see in our mind's eye, in our heart, and with our hands, in our eyes, in our ears. And because this is true in general, I know that it means me. I know that I am willing to receive God's gifts, even the ones that I can't explain. That I am willing to receive, receive God's gifts of love, of peace, of joy, of healing, even of prophecy, even of things that I'm not sure what they are, I know that as they come from God, they are good. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room that each person in their own way receives God's gifts, is open and willing to allow that God to be abiding from inside, allowing that that channel, that opening to express the goodness of the universe through each person in this room. And I am simply grateful for this knowledge, simply grateful to be a witness to God as it unfolds as each person here. 
And so with a lot of love, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself, knowing that it is complete, knowing that God's gifts are graciously received. I let it be, and together we all say, and so it is. Thank you very much.